The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Murray Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about love, and it's about turning your mate into your soulmate. In fact, that's the name of this new book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate by Arielle Ford. And let me tell you a little bit about her if you don't know who she is. She is a love and relationship expert, and she's spent the past 25 years living and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She's the author of 10 books, including the international bestseller, The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. And then, of course, today we're going to be talking about the book that I've been reading, Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate. And that gives an groundbreaking shifts in perceptions on how to transform your relationship to make it deeper, more loving, more fulfilling. And she is called the Cupid of Consciousness and the Fairy Godmother of Love. She lives down just down the road in La Jolla, California with her husband, who happens to be her soulmate, Brian Hillard, and their little kitty friends. So we are excited to have her on. You can find out more about her and her books at conflicthealing.com, where we link to her website, soulmatesecret.com, and you'll see her picture, her bio, and the JPEG of her book. So welcome, Ariel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm on the same path as you, so I love it. So how did you come to write this book? Um, I was a first-time bride at the age of 44, and um, once I got married, I had a, a very scary experience, which was I discovered I had zero partnership skills. I was really good at being the boss, and I didn't have a clue how to be a good partner in a relationship. So I decided to become a student of love, and this book, now having been married 18 years, is a compilation of everything that I learned that really works to have a deeply loving, committed, devoted partnership. I've been doing divorce mediation for 30 years, and um, at least we do it in a positive way, but I see all the things that go wrong, the blame, the guilt, the judgments, the criticism, all those things. Now, you believe that before giving up on a long-term relationship, it's still possible to turn your mate into your soulmate. And so let's, uh, let's talk about that. Well, 
You know, the one thing a lot of people don't know is that, you know, everybody knows that 50% of first marriages end in divorce. But what most people don't know is that 64% of second marriages and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. And my belief is that before you think the grass is greener somewhere else, you should give yourself six months to really take some baby steps at looking to see if you can reignite and re-envision the relationship that you have. Because I think about 80 or 90% of the time you can, what happens with people is, you know, they fall in love with somebody, they get married, they've bought into the myth of happily ever after, and then real life happens. And they <laughs> discover that their perfect partner isn't so perfect, and there's all kinds of upsets and frustrations and disappointments. But we're not trained how to have the skills to successfully work through what is really normal in all relationships. So we start pointing the finger and blaming the other person, thinking it's all their fault, when in fact it's just kind of what happens in relationships. It's really very normal, and there are lots and lots of easy fixes if you're willing to do it. Yeah, and so what's the big secret about marriage that causes so much pain? Well, there's a, um, one of the world's leading marriage researchers at the University of Washington in Seattle. His name's Dr. John Gottman. Mm-hmm. And what he has discovered is that every couple, not just some couples, but every couple has a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. These are things on which you're never, ever going to agree. And yet we have this expectation that we'll always get along. Now, it is possible to get along, but not unless you have some really great communication skills and some problem-solving skills, because there are creative solutions to all the things on which you disagree. Yeah. You know, that's what's so sad is that we as children don't always grow up in homes where our parents are the best in terms of relationships. And then we don't learn it at school. And there's, you know, where do we learn about relationships? We don't have the tools. We don't have the skills that you're talking about. So this is why it's so important that people learn this. And when you were talking about John Gottman, is um, we also learned that people are our brains are so negative. We have a tendency to tell people what we don't want instead of asking for what we do want. Yes, and there was actually a study done at the University of Buffalo where they looked at couples who deliberately wear rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And what they saw was that these couples live longer, happier, more satisfying marriages because... They're always looking for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. Yes, yes. And you have to really focus. I've been, you know, I've interviewed Mark Waldman, who's a like a neuropsychologist, and he talks about how our brain is really set for negativity. We have to we have to really reprogram ourselves because of our limbic system. So it's very easy to get into the negative. You know, your husband drops his clothes on the floor or your your wife spends too much money or whatever it is and and you immediately go into that anger mode or you get into that negativity and so you're right about putting the rose colored glasses and then asking for what you want i know i have to teach people in mediation they'll say i don't want this and i'll have to say okay tell us what you do want <laughs> you know that's harder right. it's harder 
Well, how about the health benefits of being married? I think that's that's a good one. Yeah, there's uh, there's something that's now been uh, called the marriage effect, and it's similar to the wearing rose-colored glasses. The people that get the value of the marriage effect have worked hard on their marriages. They have created a happy life together, and because of this, they heal faster, live longer, and of course are happier. And so, for all the people out there that are putting a lot of time and energy into eating organic and drinking green juices and going to yoga and doing meditation and trying to live a long, healthy life, but then they come home and they have these judgmental, toxic thoughts about their spouse. What they don't understand is they've just wiped out all the benefits and money they've spent trying to have a healthy lifestyle because it's now shown that the number one predictor of a long, healthy life is a happy marriage. So I tell people all the time, if you're going to make a time and energy investment, put it into your relationship and look and see, you know, how can I be a better person? How can I learn to communicate in a way that effectively gets my needs and desires met? You know, what could I do to, you know, give my spouse a little space? I mean, if they've always been a slob, chances are not that's not going to change, mm-hmm. you know. But what could change is your story about them. You know, could you decide you know, for yourself that, yes, my husband's a slob, and yes, I don't like it, but is this a reason not to love him? And you can negotiate for what you want. It drives me crazy as I, my husband never puts the key in the box, the car key, and then I can't find it, you know, so I have to keep saying, honey, will you please put the car key in the box? I would really be grateful. Even though I want to wring his neck, I've, I've learned to use the positive myself. But right, you, or maybe you just need to get another key that he doesn't know where it is. So he lost the other one. <laughs> I have yeah, to buy another that. one. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. But there's, you know... If you know that about them, and it's just an, you know, it's just how it is, right? Yeah. It may never change. I think know, he's getting better because I keep, yeah, I keep saying it sweetly, but but you're absolutely right. Now, Aria, what do you tell people when they say, "Well, he doesn't make me happy," or "I have to find someone who's going to make me happy"? What's right? Well, what's, I would say I would say then you're really screwed. Yep. <laughs> because it's nobody else's job to make you happy. Happiness is an inside job. So having a great spouse can make you happier, right? Right. But they can't make you happy. So if you don't know how to make yourself happy, you know, don't go torture another human being until you figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> you know? I mean, really, what, let's talk about what the purpose of having a spouse is. I mean, really, mm-hmm. Mari, why do you want to ha- have a spouse? Like, what's in it for you? It's, it's a wonderful connection. It feels good. It's somebody that I can confide in, be myself with, have fun with. Exactly, right? You, yeah. You have a good career. You don't need anybody to support you. Right. You know, we're, we're of this generation where we don't need a man, but that's not a reason not to have one. It's not a reason not to share your life with somebody because we, we are not meant to do life alone. Right. You know, so the, the benefits are is when you have this best friend, lover, playmate, partner for life, they're your safe place to land. Life is actually easier. In fact, I just saw a piece on CBS the other day. There was a new Harvard study that just came out that showed one of the biggest factors for illness and disease and old age 
is loneliness. Yeah. Because being lonely suppresses your immune system. So, again, putting this investment into figuring out ways to make yourself happy, make your spouse happy, and have a happy life together is the greatest investment you can have in yourself. Yeah, and that's so true about being lonely. I know my parents were together just almost 50 years when my mom died, and then my dad was so lonely that he died six months later, you know? So that's so, it's so true about that, that... You know, it is so important to have that best friend. But, of course, if you're living with someone and it's toxic, that's not healthy either. You either have to transform it or you need to release it. But let's yeah, talk... I believe that, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're in a relationship where there's really bad behavior, abuse, or addiction, then you absolutely must get professional help. Yeah. You know, there's no book out there, not even my book, right. is going to rescue you. You need a third-party professional to guide you through something as difficult as that. But for the ordinary, everyday, he's making me crazy kind of stuff, <laughs> right, right. I have solutions for that. And in fact, in my book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, I actually give you scripts on how to have those conversations. And it's not that difficult. Somebody read my book and said, so, so it looks like you're teaching us how to train our husbands the way that you would train a dolphin or a dog. And I said, well, you could make that analogy, and it's just as effective. But, you know, you've been yelling, screaming, bitching, moaning, complaining for 20 years, and it hasn't worked and nothing's changed. So why wouldn't you try it my way? Yes. Right? It's a lot more fun, and it works. Exactly. So how do you exactly define a soulmate for those people who are out there who don't know what we're talking about? You know, for me, a soulmate is first and foremost somebody you can completely be yourself with, Mm -hmm. somebody that you share unconditional love with, and when you look into their eyes, you have the experience of being home. And you can have that experience with lots of people. So the further definition of a soulmate is that there's somebody who's suitable to be a good life partner with you because you could have that sort of deep heart connection with them, but if they don't match up with your... um, vision for the future, your shared vision for the future, if you don't have connection and compatibility and chemistry, then it's just never going to work. And it, and it is kind of like a dance, like a tango, isn't it? I noticed, I've been with my husband 27 years now, and I noticed how as we grow older and we change, you know, the kids are gone, everything is gone, you know, that, that we have to keep reinventing ourselves, and, and doing new things and, and accepting things that we used to do that we can't do anymore. Or Right, and that's, that's just being an emotionally mature adult. Yeah. You know, like when my husband and I got together, our, one of our number one core things we liked to do was a lot of exotic travel. Well, now, you know, almost 19 years later and since 9-11 and, you know, TSA lines, right. he doesn't like to travel as much. Right, He'd right. rather stay home. His commitment is to watch every sunset from our deck, you know. <laughs> so I get so many days a year for travel with him, and if I want more than that, I go with my girlfriends. You know, we just negotiated something that works for both of us. Exactly. people do change. Yep. Yep. Now, you have something that you want women to know about men. What is that? 
You know, they're not like us. They're not the hairy versions of us. Their brains are wired differently. You know, you and I could have a conversation, and I could ask you seven questions in a row, and you'd be just fine with that, and you'd answer all of them. Right. But if you ask a man more than one question at a time, you're not going to get an answer to any of them. They're very linear, you know, and you confuse them. And we often don't even give them enough time to know what it is they want to say. We ask them a question, we want an instant answer. So, you know, my friend Allison Armstrong is a great relationship expert. She says, you know, ask them one question and then put imaginary masking tape over your mouth and keep <laughs> quiet until he gives you an answer. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So w- what is love, and, and why do you say that it's more than a feeling? Is it a verb? Is it a noun? What it's, is it? It's all of those things. You know, we, we are taught to believe that love is a feeling. I know that I love you because I have this physical, visceral sensation. But the truth is, there are days when you're married to your soulmate and you don't even like them, let alone love them. Mm-hmm. And yet you stay with them because love is first and foremost a behavior. It's an action. It's a practice. It's a decision. It's a choice. And we choose to actively love somebody in spite of their bad behavior, in spite of the nasty thing they just said to us, because we've made this commitment to be a devoted partner. Now, as I said earlier, we're not going to tolerate really bad behavior, but we all make mistakes, which is why it's so important that you learn how to make a proper apology and ask for and accept forgiveness. This is what mature adults do. Yeah. Now... What about, um, what are some of the characteristics? If we were to look at a couple and say, what are some of the characteristics that are going to prove to us that this is going to be a long-term relationship, that, you know, those characteristics are are pretty much going to be a good sign that this is a long-lasting love? Well, you want somebody that you can really count on, you know, somebody who has integrity and will keep their word, you know, that will show up there for you. Somebody who has the ability to be compassionate and empathetic and actually cares about your well-being. You know, someone who's financially responsible and consistent and, you know, loving, giving, generous, kind, all of those things, you know, um, you don't want to be with somebody where you don't know if they're going to show up, right? Right. You don't know if if you need them, if they're going to actually, you know, be able to be with you when things aren't happening so well. I mean, one of the great things about being with your soulmate is not just the daily fun you can have with them, but to actually have, you know, somebody who has your back and is there for you on the bad days and will remind you you've survived this before or it's not always going to be this way, or, uh, you know, we're going to get through this together. Right. Right? Yes. I mean, that's what we need, especially, you know, if you're over 40 and you're dealing with kids and aging parents and money issues and career problems and, you know, the world's going crazy around us, you you want an ally. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you can have sex with this ally just makes it even better. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) 
And, you know, I think when we were talking about, you know, there's going to be those tough days or those challenges, I mean, aren't we really kind of mirrors for each other to help each other grow? Isn't that part of the the process yeah, of, of being that, that mutual involvement? I can't, I can't change my husband, but I can let him know that that isn't maybe the, the best that he is, right? Yeah, you know, you can certainly have those deeper conversations. And, you know, we're there, we're there. Well, Harville Hendricks believes that the true purpose of taking sacred vows is to get married and then have all your childhood wounds show up for healing. That's, right. that's the deepest purpose of marriage is so that we can heal each other and become the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. To heal each other and to, you know, I, I know for my husband and I, you know, we're, thank goodness we've got this spiritual connection as well, which makes it a lot, I think, easier than my first marriage. I was married 18 years and we didn't have that. And I think that's one thing that really does help us is that we're both spiritual. There's something even greater than us that, that we can both know that we are, you know, working on. So I think there is that healing. And I think there's also just that, that getting to like know another human being and being very intimate with that person that maybe you can't be with other people, right? Right. I I think, you know, the spiritual connection is great. And you don't have to practice the same kind of spirituality. You know, it may be that... You know, men express spirituality differently. So women may want to go to a particular kind of church or service or read certain kinds of books or meditate or whatever. And men, you know, for them, coaching Little League is a spiritual experience, right? right? Being able to give back to the community. So I think we don't want to judge somebody else's spirituality, but as long as, you know, you're there and you're loving each other and you're both loving people, I think that's spiritual enough. Right, right. What are some of the playful things that you outline for couples when they want to restore intimacy to get playful? Well, one of the most fun things is um, the, the parts of our brain where we experience falling in love, where our brains are flooded with oxytocin and adrenaline and dopamine, all those good feelings, you know, they last for about 6 to 18 months when we're in the honeymoon phase, and then they tend to disappear a lot. <laughs> and one of the ways to kick those feelings back up is to do something together that's, that you believe is life-threatening. It doesn't have to be life-threatening, but you both have to believe that it is. So that could be bungee jumping, jumping out of an airplane, whitewater, river rafting, a roller coaster, seeing a scary movie, Anything like that. So if you go and do something like that together where you have this big adrenaline rush, um, that will really kick up passion. So I always tell people, go and do it and book a motel room on the way home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I mean, we we always have a great time on our vacation. Always. I think that's a, a clear sign. If you can't go on a vacation and have fun, that tells you that there's something really wrong. Don't you think? I mean, that because that's one thing that whenever we, if we're scuba diving or if we're, we don't go bungee jumping, but we we do the the thing where you go down on the, I I forgot what you call it, but we've been river rafting and stuff like that too. Yeah. So what about um, 
What about when you, what do you do? You have a chapter called Going from Annoyed to Enjoyed. How do you, how do, you do that? Well, it's, uh, I'll tell you a really short story. It's what I call wabi-sabi love, and wabi-sabi is an ancient Japanese aesthetic that seeks to find beauty and perfection and imperfection. So um, I had this woman in my workshop named Stephanie, and she was telling me that she's, you know, she is just a total perfectionist and a neat freak, and she likes everything in its place and clean, and she's married to a slob. And her slob <laughs> works out of town two weeks of every month. So when he's out of town, she says the house is hers. But as soon as he gets home, it gets chaotic and dirty and messy again. And she said, I just don't know if I can take it anymore. So I said to her, well, Stephanie, do you have a dog? And she said, yes. I said, does your dog shed? Yes. What do you do when the dog sheds? Oh, I vacuum up after him. Like, Stephanie, do you love your dog? Yes, of course I love my dog. And then she got real quiet and she said, oh, my God, Garth sheds. (laughs) And just like the dog can't help shedding, neither can Garth. So a year after I had this conversation with her, I called her because I wanted to see what was happening. And I said, how are things going with Garth? She said, we've never been happier she said, in fact, he quit his out-of-state job, and he's now working from home mm. so we can be together 24-7. And, yes, he's still a slob, and, yes, sometimes it bothers me, but now I at least realize, just like my dog can't help shedding, neither can Garth. <laughs> so it's just about changing the story. You know, we have a story that what, you know, your story is he, he never leaves me the keys where I can find him, and that's a bad thing. You know, and you already know that, and it, that may not ever really change. So you can have three extra sets of keys somewhere, yes. or you can start <laughs> calling him, you know, you're the crazy key monster, <laughs> and, you know, tell him 10 minutes before you have to go, I have to leave in 10 minutes, key monster, so get your ass out of that chair and go find me my keys. Right. And just have fun with it as opposed to ripping him a new one. Right, right. Yeah, we've been talking about this. I said we need to make some more keys. It's uh, Unfortunately, the Mercedes keys, they charge you like $200 or something. I'd, so that's why I was not real happy about right. that. So then you just, you just have to, you know, put a timer on knowing, you know, that you've got to leave and make it his job. I mean, either that or just tell him every time the keys aren't there to leave you a $100 bill. I love it. I love it. Okay. Negative contract. And get him to sign a contract, right? (laughs) Okay, here's the contract. I agree. Next time the keys aren't there for Mari when she needs them, I will hand her a $100 bill. Okay. Sounds good. And if that doesn't work, call me back and we'll think of something else. (laughs) Okay. You have a chapter called The Magic Power of Three. So you want to tell us what you think about that? What is that? Yeah, that's about inviting God into your relationship, if you believe in God or a higher power. You know, when things get hard, sometimes it's good just to pray together, you know? Or what my friend Gabby does with her husband every morning before he leaves for Wall Street he kneels down next to the bed while she's still in it sleeping, and she puts her hands on his head, and she makes up a blessing for him for mm. the day so that he can leave feeling like he's loved, cared for, and protected. Oh, that's sweet. And yeah. how, about, um, how, about, how about sex? What have you got to say about sex? You know, I don't talk a lot about sex. I think that 
I take the wabi-sabi approach to it, find the beauty and perfection and imperfection. You know, there's all kinds of sex. John Gray says there's gourmet sex, long, slow, fabulous, lovemaking. And and then sometimes there's drive-by sex. You know, somebody just needs to release some tension and, you know, give them five minutes of your time and just take care of them. So, you know, I think it's just something you have to work out and, and, you know, maybe lower your expectations. Not every, every... co-joining is going to be perfect, but at least you're sharing molecules. Yeah. I mean, I would think that's some, somewhat the glue that binds you as well, that, that without sex, there might be that lack of intimacy. What do you think about that? You know, I, I used to believe that when I was younger, but now that I've gotten so much older, I realize that, that so much of what I was craving when I thought I wanted sex was really connection, was really just intimacy, was really just having some affection. Because, you know, when I was younger, I was so driven by hormones. I thought, oh, great, I'm going to get married, I'll have sex every day. And then I discovered that doesn't happen. (laughs) And I realized that in spite of that not happening, I was actually happier and more satisfied because I had this cocoon of love and devotion that I live in. I, I noted in the end of the book, you talk about attention, appreciation, and affection. Those three A's seem to be yeah, like really critical. Totally critical because, you know, everybody says that, you know, if you say, what's the most important thing in your life? They'll say my relationship. And then if you examine their life on where they spend their time and energy, it's everything but their relationship. Exactly. So if you can make it a daily practice, to notice what your partner's doing and appreciate and acknowledge them for it and go and give them a 20-second hug, not a 15-second hug, a 20-second hug releases oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. It's called the super glue of love. Give them a compliment, give them a hug, tell them something they did right, and you will see your connection and your intimacy level skyrocket. That's a perfect way to end. And thank you, saying thank you to your spouse. And thank you to Arielle Ford for her wonderful new book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate. And Arielle, we will have you back again for your next book. Thank you so much for joining us. Mari, I just want to let people know they can get free chapters of my book at soulmatesecret.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll have okay, you again soon. You. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.